0: From the healing heart of Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland comes The Dr. Nina Show with a message of hope for people struggling with binge eating. She helps listeners break free from emotional eating by identifying their hidden triggers and provides a path for healing without dieting or focusing on food. Dr. Nina inspires us to enjoy the full spectrum of human experience we all deserve to live.
1: Hi there. Welcome to the Dr. Nina Show. I am your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rocklin. I'm a psychoanalyst specializing in eating disorders, especially binge eating, and I am here to help you break free from binging, body shame, and diets that don't work. I want you to wake up and think about your day, not your diet. Because remember, when it comes to binge eating... It is not about willpower, it is not about control, and it is not even about food. It is not what you are eating that is the true problem, it's what's eating at you. And I am here to help you figure that out. Now, today's topic is how to stop a binge in 30 seconds, and we're changing things up a little bit here on the show. Um, I'm going to wait until I'm done with my... A topic before I open up the lines to take calls. okay so let's dive in. if you have any calls feel free to I mean if you have any questions feel free to uh, comment them if you're there on Instagram and if you want to call in, I'll let you know when the the lines are gonna be open. All right, so how to stop a binge in 30 seconds Is it possible? Yes it is. So look, binges happen for a reason. And it's not the reason you think. It's not because you don't have control or willpower. You're a food addict or all the things, right? If you are turning to food, you are turning away from something else. And sometimes that's hard to figure out. We can't process our feelings. We can't tune into ourselves when we are in an anxious state or an upset st- state or when we are just uh, upset for whatever reason. We can't Think and be upset at the same time. We can't figure out what's making us upset until we're calm, but we don't feel calm often until we eat as a solution, right? Because lots of people eat as a way of sedating themselves, eating as a way of calming your body. Because when you calm your body, you have more of a calm mind, and then you can think, and then you can be curious, and you could say, hmm what's eating at me? Oh, it's that. Let me do something different this time. It's hard to get there if you don't know how to relax your body. So today I'm going to teach you some ways to relax your body. Um, because remember, if you're eating for comfort or distraction, whether it's emotional stress or anger or something else, anything going on in your mind, you might not even know it because you're going so quickly to food to cope. And often that's to calm down. So to stop that binge in its track and calm down your body, if I say to you, hey, calm down, what is going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. Absolutely nothing. No one has ever been like, oh, I should calm down. Okay. Yeah. That's like saying, hey, you should not eat when you're upset oh, really? I shouldn't? Okay, I won't, said nobody ever. That's not how it works. So we want to stop your emotions from escalating by calming down your body, but that's not by telling yourself to calm down. Here's a quick way to calm down. It is called the muscle relaxation exercise. I'm going to do it. If you want to do it along with me, I can't see you. Don't worry. Don't be shy. Just do it. Um, it may feel a little goofy, but it's a really great trick that you can do anytime, anywhere, just about, and you will instantly feel this amazing relief. So, so start by tightening the muscles in your legs as tight as you can. Just tight, 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 tight. Just squeeze your leg muscles. Squeeze your legs together, whatever whatever it takes to kind of tighten your, your muscles. Then keeping your legs tight. Focus on your, your stomach muscles, your abs. Tighten them. Just really clench. Okay. Now your legs are tight. Your abs are tight. Now let's go for your arms and, and, and kind of your chest. And I like to make a fist. As you can see, if you're, if you're watching me, you, I like to make a fist. And just really, really hold everything. So hold everything. Tight, tight, tight. Legs, abs, arms. Chest back, every muscle in your body, just really hold it. And let's do it for another 10, nine, eight. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Seven, six, five, four. Hold, hold, hold. Two, one. Now totally relax. You feel it? Do you feel that relaxation? So, what you should feel is just kind of a Oh, like a whole body exhale. And that gives you just enough time to start to reflect and go, hmm, you know, okay, what's going on with me? And in a curious way. So the idea of this exercise is that without muscle tension, you can't access muscle release and we need to relax our bodies relaxing our muscles right unless you want to take a muscle relaxer every day which you don't then hey it's gonna be hard to do so debbie sounds like debbie on instagram did it thumbs up did you feel it like I I just love this exercise because you could also do it like you don't have to be all scrunched up with your fist tight like this like like I just showed you you could just sort of like if you're in a meeting you could just Tighten everything, and no one will see that you're tightening everything. I'm actually doing it right now, and then you just hold it as long as you can. Like we didn't even do it that long, but if you do it longer, the longer you do it, the more the release will will be um, wonderful. Tanya felt it. Carla Gash felt it. It's just such a, a a cool exercise. I love it, and now you have it, and that doesn't even take 30 seconds. Maybe it takes about 30 seconds. Okay. So when your mind is relaxed, then you can better focus on cultivating a compassionate, kind, supportive response to yourself. When you're, okay, what's going on with me? Not what's wrong with me. That's not curiosity. That's meanness disguised as curiosity. But when you say, oh, okay, what's going on with me? Carla Gash, I'm glad that you feel better and started smiling. Cardiorn, cardio I'm sorry if I'm botching your Instagram name, but I'm so glad you like that. So let's move on. You have that, you can use it anytime as much as you want. It is so freaking effective. So I love it. I'm glad you love it too. It's really really helpful. Okay, the next thing is called the four senses exercise. Yes. We have five senses, but if you binge or start snacking when you're upset or stressed, you're using food as a primary way of coping, a primary way of self-soothing, and therefore the sense of taste. Cardio RN. (laughs) Thanks, Cardio RN. Oh, love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. Um. I'm really terrible at Instagram names and also on personalized license plates. I'm always like, what? Just can't wrap my mind around that for some reason, have some kind of block. But cardio RN makes a lot of sense. Okay. All right. So if if you are using food to cope, then you do not want to use the sense of taste for this exercise. So the four senses technique puts you in touch with, with your four senses as a way of helping you center yourself it is a grounding technique so again these things seem like they're going to feel really goofy that's okay but let out your inner goofiness it's a good thing so you you want to look around and you want to you want to say one thing that you are touching seeing smelling or and hearing so, for example, you might say, you know, I, I feel the smooth leather of the chair that I'm sitting on. I'm, I'm looking at, oh, a beautiful picture of, of uh, my view from my Idlewild place. Um, I smell the aroma of coffee oh, or the scent of flowers or whatever is going on. Or I hear birds chirping outside my window. Or I hear traffic. Like, you just want to n- name the thing that you are touching, seeing, smelling, and hearing. Seems like a weird thing to do, right? But there is a a method to the madness, right? When you do that, you ground yourself. So by focusing your senses and staying in the present moment, you feel more relaxed. And these grounding exercises are really good when it comes to Uh, defeating anxiety and creating a greater sense of calm. You could do it different ways. You could name like uh, three things that you are touching or three things you are seeing, three things you smell, three things you hear all at once. However you do it, you'll see that it sounds like a... I mean, the first time I heard about it when I was in grad school, I was like, really? That seems dumb. But... It is effective and it works. And we are a fan of whatever works. I think ideally it helps to say it aloud. But if you're with people, you're not going to want to do that unless they're also doing their own grounding sense exercises. Um, You can also take this one step further by, by taking action. You can wrap yourself in a warm, fuzzy blanket. You can go outside and just look at the trees, look at nature. If you live in a city, go to the park. Like, isn't it interesting how we talk about feasting our eyes on the world? So give you, when you give your eyes a feast, you're going to be less likely to eat. Um, for a sense of smell, because you want to engage these senses also, right? So for a sense of smell, you can light an amazing candle. You can light some incense. You can spray your favorite perfume. Um, And for hearing, if you have a favorite song or some kind of music that really puts you at ease, use that. Um, Pop in your AirPods if you're with people and really, really let your mind focus on those sounds. So, We have the the muscle relaxation exercise, the four senses exercise, and then we have visualization exercise. Um, Visualization is a powerful way to change your state of mind in a pretty fast way, which helps you stop binging. So using the power of your imagination, you can work through anxious situations or emotions instead of escaping them with food. And often we use our imagination in a very negative way that leads to binging. What do I mean by this? We say things like, what if this doesn't work? What if I get rejected? What if I never lose weight? What if I never stop binging? What if that person doesn't like me? That's using your imagination because you do not work for the psychic network. Is there even a psychic network anymore? (laughs) You would think they would have all told us about COVID. anyway. Um you're not psychic. So you don't know what's going to happen in the future, but when you say what if this happens or what if that happens, you are using your imagination to create a visual of a a, a future that does not exist, but you feel the feelings of that that scary future in the present. So if you say, well, what if this happens or what if this doesn't happen? Oh, that would be terrible. Now you're feeling anxiety or depression or something in the present about a future that does not exist. So if you don't believe in visualization exercises, again, you're visualizing already, most likely. You're just not calling it that. So let's utilize the power of visualization to give you a calmer, happier way of being. And when you're a calmer, you can think. And when you can think, you can respond differently. You can think about why you want to go to the kitchen. You can think about what else you need, how else to respond to yourself. So visualization is powerful. So there are two kinds of visualizations. One is to imagine a happy place where you feel safe and calm, and just kind of like, ah, oh. and I'll give you more info on both of these in a second. The second is to think about something you're afraid of, the what if, but imagine a more positive outcome. Don't just imagine the worst and, and, and get all nervous and anxious and feel terrible. Imagine the worst, and then we're going to find a way to resolve that in your mind. So keep the four senses in your mind as you do these visualization exercises. In your imagination, what are you touching, seeing, smelling, or hearing? want to really make it come alive for you. So allow yourself to be in this imaginary place. So the first one, I call it the happy place a happy place technique. We all want to be in our happy place, right? And if binging puts you temporarily in your happy place, we want a healthier happy place for you. So visualize a place where you feel happy. That can be an actual place. It could be a memory. It could be a place that exists in your life, or it could be somewhere in your imagination. I've had people say, I'm I'm on Pluto, and it's this or that, or I'm in, I'm you know I'm I'm in like a Star Wars movie, and I'm feeling this or that. Um, so it doesn't have to be reality; it can be, but it doesn't have to be. Who who is with you? Are you alone? Are you alone? Who else is there? Don't limit yourself to reality again. Just go anywhere that your mind can take you and use those four senses to make it really come alive. And allow yourself to be in this imaginary place until you feel your heartbeat slowing. You have that exhale, and you experience a sense of peaceful calm. Debbie is imagining a California beach. Okay, let's say you're in um Zuma or Malibu or San Diego or someplace that's really just, um, just, just beautifully calm. You hear the waves on the ocean. Maybe you see little kids running into the waves and splashing and laughing. You hear them, you see them. Um, maybe you touch the sand, you touch the water, you feel the sun on your, on your skin. That is a visualization that is going to be very calming to you. And when you can create that calm place, you are going to create space for you to check in with yourself. Um, When I use this technique in one of my support groups, one of the women said, hey, when she's overwhelmed, she visualizes being on the lake. With the sun shining, water lapping the shore. Um, and she remembered this time that she was floating on this lake in a canoe, and a black swan came and swam alongside the canoe. And it was just such a peaceful, loving, wonderful moment, just a, like loving and like one with nature. And like she loved the swan in that moment, and that swan loved her, and all was well with the world. And when she Took herself back to that place. She could, she could breathe. She could think. Carly Gash is imagining herself in a future music studio, even though she doesn't have it for now. It's your dream. It's your dream. It's your imagination. It's your happy place. It 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 exists in your mind now, and if it makes you feel better, hey, that's great. So. When you can use these techniques, and I'm not done yet, I have some more to go. When you can use these techniques to calm your body, you free your mind, you free your mind to think, you free your mind to cope in different ways. And that's part of, you know, that's why you stop binging. You change your response to what's going on inside. Okay. So the other visualization, the first one was the happy place technique. This is the scary place technique. Don't be scared. (laughs) Don't be scared by the scary place technique. Um, So imagine a place that makes you nervous, a situation that makes you nervous. You got to go on a date. You you have a job interview. The boss just called you in for a meeting um, or something. You're sitting, oh, we're coming up on the holidays. You're going to see your family for Thanksgiving. <laughs> ah! um, so instead of worrying about all the negative things that might happen, use your imagination to create the best possible outcome. Because when we think about all the negative things that could happen, oh my God, oh my god, oh my god, they're gonna say things, they're gonna see me, they're gonna think I've gained weight, I'm gonna say the wrong thing, I'm gonna get fired, I'm gonna, all the what if stuff, then you have anxiety, then you you know you you scare yourself, then you you binge as a way of coping. So we want to imagine the scary place, but with a different outcome. Again. Use the four senses to bring this to life. What situation is causing you anxiety? Whether it's a job interview, a personal challenge, a date, a blind date, anything else, imagine now the best outcome. So first you think about the worst outcome with with the scary situation. Then you think about, well, how else could it go? So let me give you an example Um, with someone I'm going to call Marcia. That is not her real name, but I'm calling her Marcia just because that is the name that occurred to me just now. I don't know why. Okay. Marcia was a very talented singer-songwriter, but performance anxiety was always holding her back. She wasn't moving forward in her career because she had this crippling fear of singing in public. She got so nervous that when she was on stage, her legs would be like shaking violent, like, like, like trembling violently. So she thought she was going to like fall over or something. Um, and she, she thought that the audience was looking at her shaking legs and just trembling. Like she was, like, the, the microphone would be like this. Just, she was just, her whole body was tr- literally trembling with anxiety. And she thought the audience was, was judging her for that. Um, And that would make it worse, of course. So then she started to avoid going out and singing in public. If you're a singer-songwriter, not singing in public is rather detrimental to your career. So she would sit at home and eat and feel worse and worse and worse and worse. So we decided to change things up and imagine an understanding audience full of people who are benefiting from her performance, who are really vibing with her music, who who were who, who liked what she was saying. And so she focused on how they that this audience was gonna really resonate with her songs, since her lyrics really were powerful and people related to them so much. Um, she also imagined that if the audience could see her trembling with anxiety, that they weren't gonna judge her. Then we're going to go like, oh my god, she's so nervous, and get up, upset with her and and you know c- condemn her in some way. She imagined that this audience would see that she was nervous and that they'd they'd be compassionate. They'd think, oh, I I feel so bad that she's nervous and she's doing such a great job. I I, I wish I could take the nervousness away from her, right? She really started imagining a much more compassionate and realistic attitude from the audience. I mean, when's the last time that you saw someone who was public speaking or doing something and they were visibly nervous? Were you like, oh my God, they're nervous? No, I'm sure that you, like me, like I think most of us say, oh, I really feel for that person. I, I get it. I've been there. Or I you know, I, I wish I could give them a hug or let them know that actually they're just doing fine. Keep talking, keep singing. Um So once she imagined the more compassionate audience, her legs stopped shaking because she was not as nervous. She was no longer imagining that this situation was going to bring this terrible response. And she stopped getting nervous. She started actually looking forward to having this experience with the audience instead of being scrutinized by them. She was going to feel like connected with them. And they were going to be, they, she felt they were connected with her. And her anxiety diminished. And guess what? Now she goes on tour all the time. Yes. Marcia. Okay. So using all of these methods to calm down, I have one more that just occurred to me, actually, um, and that is bin, uh, surfing the binge wave surfing the binge wave. You don't need a surfboard. Here's what you do. You give yourself 30 seconds to ride the wave of emotions. Now, uh, Debbie is picturing herself at a California beach. And if you've ever been to a beach anywhere in the world or seen a beach, you know, that waves build up in intensity. They get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And then they finally crest and they crash into the surf and they disappear. The same for that urge to binge. It feels like it's just getting Impossible to resist. You're feeling it. It is growing. It's getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's usually when you're like, Nah, I can't deal. What's in the kitchen? Order DoorDash. Whatever. Can't even wait for DoorDash. What's in the kitchen? Right. Um. So this is what I want you to remember. If you could just last for thirty seconds, often that thirty seconds is enough for that that intensity, that, that wave of, of of an urge to go and eat or binge to kind of peak and diminish. If you can just wait it out, it will lessen in intensity. And when it lessens in intensity, you have your mind back. You have your mind back and then you can think, you can ask yourself, why do I want to go eat? What is it that's so unbearable? What problem is this resolving for me? If I weren't fo- focused on food, what would be on my mind? How am I coping with what am I for what am I coping? What's going on with me? It when you have a, a, a bit of relaxation in your body and mind, you can ask yourself what's going on with you and you can then find the answers. So using all of these. Methods to calm your body and your mind, along with learning to identify and then process different, often painful, upsetting, really hard thoughts and emotions. That helps you comfort yourself in a new way and find peace. And when you do that, you don't need food to cope. So that's how you stop a binge in 30 seconds. Because the real problem with any kind of stress eating, emotional eating, binge eating, any kind of unhealthy, unhappy relationship with food, it is not what you are eating that is the true problem. It is why. So let's look at what's eating at you. And that is your first very important step to creating change. Okay. So I also want to talk about... Um, oh, and if you're on Instagram, by the way, feel free to drop a comment or a question uh, in, the, in the comment box, and I'm, I'm happy to talk to you that way as well. Uh, Carly Gash is on. Welcome, Carly Gash. Let's talk about relapse, because a few weeks ago, I did a show and had technical difficulties on my end. This stuff did not happen in the radio studio, but unfortunately, this is one of the things that happens when you're working from home, as you probably can relate to. Um, so I talked about relapse and was unable to record the show because my internet went out. Um, and I thought that I would uh, talk about that today because it's a very important topic. It's something that everyone... Um, Everyone can relate to cardio RN. People keep bringing their Halloween candy to work. I don't even like candy, but I find myself shoveling it in my mouth without thinking. Well, um, cardio RN is candy. So, so I would look at what it is that your thoughts are about Halloween candy. candy. So is it something forbidden? Even though you don't like it, is it something forbidden? So if it's there, maybe you're going to be more apt to have it. Um, Also, before you eat it, what, what is going on? Uh, I guess from your, the, the, your Instagram handle cardiac, cardiac nurse, um, That sounds like an intense job. So if you weren't eating candy, what would you be feeling? What would you be thinking about? If we're doing something we don't want to do, like eat Halloween candy we don't even like, there's always a reason. If we're not doing something we want to do, like go exercise, do some cardio, um, there's always a reason so be curious about like if you weren't focused on the on the eating the candy what would you be thinking about what would be left in your mind also hey third option maybe maybe you need more sweetness in your life and sometimes when we don't get uh you know symbolic sweetness when we don't have sweet times we we symbolically eat sweet things because that's the only form of sweetness that we can have Okay, super busy, stressful work environment. Yeah, maybe you're even eating candy to calm calm yourself, to give yourself just a little break, to give yourself a moment from you know a moment away from that super busy, stressful work environment. Um, and so the key would be instead of eating candy, how else can you calm Yourself, can you give yourself a moment? What do you need in that moment? Uh, if someone else, if one of your coworkers say, said, "Oh my gosh, I'm so stressed. This day is crazy," would you say, "Hey, here's some candy corn," or would you say, "Oh, tell me about it. I totally relate. I get it. Of course, this is just like things are crazy today, and it's so upsetting, or uh, whatever it is that you'd be saying," and and Hey, just let's let's think about um, what you're gonna do later, or think about something good. Think about what do you need in that moment. You need just like three minutes to yourself. Maybe you gotta go take a go to the r- restroom and just give yourself a few moments away from work, whatever it is, or tell yourself there's something to look forward to later. If we're turning to a food and that we don't like, it's either we're deprived of it. So, we, when it's there sitting out in bowls, we want to have it because the anticipation or experience of deprivation always makes us want it more. Or, or um, uh, uh, it, you know, it's giving us something, me time, or something like that. Uh, so, Sam Carly Gash is saying that the answer, the call is answered, but she can barely hear me. And then when she speaks, I don't hear her. I don't know that Carly gosh, that might be a, that might be something on your end, but I'm just letting Sam, yeah, Sam says he doesn't know what's going on. So it might be on, it might be on, on your end. Um, so sorry about that. Hopefully that gets rectified soon. Maybe check your phone or turn your phone off and then turn it back on because that seems to fix everything when it comes to phones and, and try again. Um, so cardio RN, uh, do, do those suggestions or those those thoughts land with you that that you're you're like you're you're helping yourself cope a little bit in that moment maybe you need to use the progressive muscle relaxation to just give yourself a moment of calm rather than using candy a lot of people also use um uh, oh carly Gash, sam is saying we may have a problem as well so whatever it is we'll We'll get it resolved one way or another. Um, um, totally just lost my train of thought. No idea what I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> A- ADD moment. What was I going to say? Okay, it'll come back to me at some point. Um, uh, so back to relapse. So again, Binge eating is a negative coping strategy, and it involves eating as a way of dealing with the difficulties in life. And the key to stop binging is to identify why you're using food to cope, develop new ways of expressing your true feelings, and then new ways of responding to yourself, cultivating a helpful, soothing, present way of being. Um, I think, it, uh, for someone who is a nurse, right, probably super nice to patients, very kind, very, um, understanding. Every nurse I've ever encountered was very, very sweet. Interesting. I choose that word sweet to their patients, but the people that were our nurses that I have treated in the past were, were not sweet to themselves. They were harsh to themselves. And when when you're harsh to yourself and you're, you're irritated with yourself and you're hard on yourself and you slave drive yourself and you're critical and judgmental of yourself, cardio RN, I don't know if that's you or not, but I'm just talking about my experience. Guess what? You want to eat to get away from your own mean voice. You can't simultaneously be kind to yourself and supportive and accepting and encouraging and be mean those things don't go together. Often we're used to being mean, and then we end up using food as a way of escaping our own mean voice. So what happens with relapse? Often we do really well, things are going in the right direction, everything is fine, and then suddenly there is a relapse. And a relapse is... Uh, For example, um, oh, someone in, in my group, she hadn't had Oreos in a very long time and was doing well and feeling good and everything was going great. And what do you know? She relapsed on Oreos. Carly Gash says, thank you for modeling a kind response to yourself for losing your track of thoughts. I used to beat myself up for forgetting what I was going to say, but now I'm giving myself much more space. Yeah. You know what? We're all human. We all lose track of our thoughts. What can we do? It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It means that you lost track of your thoughts. The thing is the thing. It doesn't doesn't negatively um, uh, mean anything about you or your good enoughness or me or anybody else. Losing track of your thoughts is losing track of your thoughts. And if you have sort of ADD tendencies, which I do, it happens a lot. Okay. So, um, so what happened? This person suddenly started eating Oreos again. And what did she do? She started beating herself up. Oh, I was, it was going so well, but I can't, you know, obviously liberation is not for me because you, you all know, I don't believe in recovery. Recovery is something you're in all the time. You always have to think about it. You always have to be mindful. No, I believe in liberation, which means you wake up and think about your day, not your diet. And when you sit down to eat, you're just thinking about, is it good? And am I hungry? And am I full? And, and, and that's it. Um, food freedom. It is possible. So we had a conversation in the group and turned out, I said, well, if you weren't mad at yourself for eating Oreos, who would you be mad at? Or what would you be mad at? Well, turned out, she was really irritated with some uh, a family member who was just on her last nerve, but she felt really guilty about being upset with this family member. So, what happened? She she had she was really mad at that family member. It's what I call the boomerang effect. It's like, I'm so upset at that. At you family member, you are actually no, I'm upset at myself. How could I have eaten Oreos? Oh my God, I suck, right? So she displays the anger that she really felt towards the family member onto herself for eating Oreos. So this was a relapse. And a relapse is uh, different from sabotage. Let me just explain the difference. So a relapse, which is defined as a return to previous patterns of behavior mm, after a period of improvement, um. In the context of binge eating disorder, that means reverting back to those unhealthy food habits, unhealthy binging patterns, or maybe that that you know restricting binging cycle or whatever it is. It's a return to the old habits that were hurtful and painful to you, um, and it's normal to have these setbacks. But of course, a relapse can feel like a major defeat. But again, it is normal, it is temporary, and it can be an opportunity for you to learn more about your triggers. Again, we think we're triggered by food. No, we are triggered by some situation, emotion, something going on with us that leads us to use food to cope. So she relapsed. Relapses are, uh, they're caused by something in the environment. Something happens around us. We're mad at the family member, but, oh, no, that's forbidden, so we're going to be mad at ourselves for eating Oreos, something like that. So um, uh, that is a relapse. In contrast, sabotage. Sabotage comes from within. So relapse is a situation in your life. It's external. Sabotage comes from within, and sabotage is when you are uh, there is something within you that stops you from being able to feel good about yourself and stops you from being able to maintain these healthy habits, maintain this you know either the a healthy weight that you are at or you've stopped binging, which is of course terrible for your your body and your soul, um, and. Uh, sabotage comes from within. So sabotage is about some conflict within about success. Um, so here are some signs of relapse other than beha- just, you know, binging on Oreos. So you can, you know, of course, binging is a relapse, but so is focusing more on food. Avoiding social situations and thinking about like what are you gonna eat when you get there or, or no they're gonna people are gonna look at you and think that you've gained weight and things like that or using food to cope with any kind of anxiety, depression, loneliness or stress even if it's not straight-up binging any kind of return to those kinds of thoughts and behaviors. Um, and dissatisfaction w- uh, with your, your weight or, or body image, starting to focus more on your body image, that is also a sign of relapse. Whether, regarding, regardless of whether you are binging or not, if you, all of a sudden you're looking in the mirror and you're just like, oh, no, mm, I got to change this. Oh, you no. I, just focusing on that too much. And if your weight or your body image is overly tied to your sense of self-worth and you just start focusing on that, um, that is a warning sign. Relapse is not just about behavior. It's also about the way we think about ourselves. So the best way to prevent relapse is to identify your true triggers. Those are the things that make you want to slip back into those old behaviors. And once you know what your triggers are, you can develop a plan for how to deal with them. So I'm going to really quickly uh, go through some of the main reasons for relapse. Um, uh, One of them is stress. Anything from a relationship breaking up to losing your job to moving to a new city to having a new relationship or having a new baby or getting married. Like It could be good stress or bad stress. Stress still affects us the same. Um, Any kind of change or upheaval in your life is stressful and can lead to those relapse um, situations. Loneliness or isolation is another trigger for relapse. Uh, Also, think about it this way. When we feel lonely, we often feel empty. We feel loneliness as a an emptiness within like a hole within and sometimes we can fill that emptiness symbolically with food so if you are doing that you want to look at what is going on with you that is you know you know how else can you deal with that loneliness two ways to deal with loneliness one is obviously to be with other people who who feed your soul Look at how our language talks about food and relationship in so many different ways. Um, And the other way is to convert loneliness into solitude. Loneliness is just to be alone with a part of you that's not very mean or or without any kind of comforting presence from yourself. Solitude is when you are there with a kind, comforting, supportive part of you. So turning loneliness to solitude is important. Carla Gash is feeling sad and anxious. She might have to break up with someone she loves um, and has mixed feelings, fear of losing the person and not being able to find someone, but also feeling trapped in the relationship that she doesn't fully enjoy. Yeah, it's conflict. Conflict is feeling two opposing things about the same situation you love this person, but you're not happy. And weighing weighing the, the good with the bad, that, that's a hard place to be. Um, and binging can take you away from that conflict temporarily. You're not thinking about breaking up or this or that or staying, staying or leaving. You're not thinking about that if you're thinking about food or you're binging. Here's my thought about breaking up. When the pain of staying is worse than the potential pain of leaving, it's time to go. And only you can know that. When the pain of staying is worse than the potential pain of leaving, you leave. Um, Being around triggering people, that's friends who are always talking about their latest diet, or oh my gosh, I did keto and I lost 30 pounds, and uh," um people are always talking about dieting and food in their own bodies, those people can be triggers too. Uh also perfectionism, perfectionism is a huge trigger. If you think you have to be perfect in order to uh be acceptable then you're, and perfection is impossible by the way, then you're never going to feel really good, you know, and change is not linear. Change is not straight line. Change is dips forward and then dips. Sometimes those dips are deeper than others, but change is, you know, it's the proverbial three steps forward and one step back. You're still two steps ahead. Um, and again, I love this analogy. I use it all the time. I think you can't hear it enough. Uh, when babies start walking, they always fall down. Always. No baby has ever gotten up from a crawling position and just toddled off onto, the, into, you know, onto their life, into their lives. Um, they fall. But we don't say, oh my God, that baby fell. Well, pff, that baby's never going to be able to walk. That baby will never walk. That baby keeps falling. It's all over for that baby. That baby's going to be a grown adult crawling around the world. No, we don't say that. We say, you got it, baby. You can do it. Just take one more step. And then they take a step and we're like, oh, great. That's awesome. Yay, you did it. What do we say to ourselves when we take a step in the direction of where we want to go in our lives? Oh, my God, I failed. I'm never going to be able to do this. What's in the kitchen. Okay. So we've got to be as equally encouraging to ourselves as we are to babies. Um, and again, self sabotage is different from relapse. Real- self sabotage is when we're internally conf- conflicted. Uh, we may fear success because we might not think we can sustain it. We might fear success because, or fear liberation. Liberation is success because we might, um, we might be afraid that uh, if we get really, you know, comfortable that and feel good that that happiness is going to be taken away from us. As long as we don't feel too good in the world, no, nothing bad is going to happen to us. These can be these unconscious fantasy ideas that we have that once we um, can identify them and challenge them. Guess what? then they stop worrying you and binging stops being an issue. Um, So really think about, is it a a relapse? Is something situational happening? Or is it self-sabotage? Is it something internal that is preventing you from having the binge-free, happy life that you want? Those are... To questions, food for thought. I will bring you more info and more food for thought next week. You can also listen later on Apple Podcasts or anywhere where you get your podcasts. And if you want a deeper dive into some of the things I talked about today, go ahead on Amazon. You can get my book, The Binge Cure Seven Steps to Outsmart Emotional Eating. It is available on Amazon in paperback, hardcover, Kindle and audiobook where i read it to you so that's an option too be good to yourself this week i'll see you next week bye for now
0: calling all authors have you been considering an audiobook we'll look no further Come take advantage of DreamVision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to dreamvision7radio.com. The Dr. Nina Show is now on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network every Tuesday, 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern Time. From the healing heart of Dr. Nina Sabelle Rockland comes a message of hope for people struggling with binge eating. She helps listeners break free from emotional eating by identifying the hidden triggers to binging and provides a path for healing without dieting or focusing on food. As she puts it, it's not what you're eating that's the real problem. It's what's eating at you. Be sure to tune in for diet-free strategies on how to outsmart emotional eating So you can stop thinking about food and start living your best and most happy
1: life This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network Uniting mankind with universal love Our shows are created from the heart Bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment Breathe, relax and enjoy Let life flow